Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of the Heart of Markness Led Zeppelin podcast featuring a barking dog outside at no additional cost. That's Penelope. Longtime listeners will understand. And they'll also be like, does that mean your window is open on January 8th? It is because it's 50 degrees and I like I like it cold, cool. In my space. So yes, my windows are open. There's even a fan in the window pulling air through. It's great. Ha! Well, I finally interviewed Mr. James Cook of Led Zeppelin News, who's been doing Led Zeppelin News for 10 years now. December last month was his 10th anniversary. And he's been doing the rounds. He's been on a couple of podcasts. And he was on mine. He is a delightful fellow. Super smart. Super, I mean, he's 28 years old and he's been doing it 10 years. So another wonderkind in the, in the, uh, in the vein of Eric Levy, the Led Zepp film guy who's like 23 and has been doing his thing for 10 years. So yay, the fandom is in good hands with this newer generation. Huzzah. And in addition to being smart and knowledgeable and erudite and everything else, James is a wonderful human being, or at least presents as a wonderful human being. He may, in fact, be a horrible serial-killing monster. But if he is, then he does a good job covering it up. Good on you, Mr. Cook. Who I am sure, for the record, is probably not a homicidal axe-wielding maniac. He's, in fact, quite a lovely man, and we chatted for, um, well, Zoom allows us to chat for free, for 40 minutes and I'm not paying for a Zoom subscription because this is only the second time I've done an interview and the second time I've used Zoom in I think two or three years so if this becomes a thing then yes I will pay for Zoom so we can have long drawn out three hour Joe Rogan chat fests because I honestly I could have gone on chatting with James forever and we talked on New Year's Day New Year's afternoon for me, New Year's evening for him. And um, it took a week to get this up because I wasn't around much this week. I was very busy at work, and then um, I got unexpectedly called away uh, this weekend to for a good thing, to for some family stuff that would just ended up with me spending more time with my family, which is great. So that was good, and so today, TLDR, is the first day I have to actually just trim this down and cut out all the beautiful off-the-record secret stuff we talked about. That was like the last 90 minutes of this. No, I'm just kidding. We talked for 40 minutes, and there's just a couple things I have to trim off the end. A little bit off the top, right? So, here we go. If you do not like interviews, then do not listen to this. And the reason, um, another reason I waited to post this is because I didn't want to replace my Thursday Led Zeppelin podcast with this because I don't like it when the podcasts I listen to do an interview episode in place of what I wanted to hear in the first place. So I kept it as a bonus because bonus means extra. So if this is an extra value added, you get more, more for you. Both James and I bleed for you to keep you fuckers happy. So I hope we have. All right, I'm going to shut up and let you listen to this, and I'll be back to uh, cap it off at the end and say bye. So thank you, and thank you, James Cook, for being, A, 
available, B, super smart, C, super nice, D, apparently not a homicidal axe-wielding maniac, and W, a wonderful guest. Here we go. Enjoy. All things led Oops, sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right. All good. I shall turn on focus mode so I don't have various little dings and noises going off in the background on my side. So we should be all good. Oh, good. I don't know about focus mode. So if there are dings, just chalk it up to me being old and dumb. <laughs> I won't. Don't you worry. How are you anyway? How was uh, how was Christmas and New Year for you? It was wonderful. It was very. It was kind of low key. Um, we had an ice storm. On Christmas oh, right. yeah, it's been really bad in the U.S. recently, right? Yeah, it got cold everywhere, and I'm I'm in the Pacific Northwest, and we got down to well below freezing, which is fairly unusual. And we yeah. um, had lots of freezing rain, so I uh, actually low key happy that I got out of seeing some family that I didn't have to without you know dishonor. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes, yes, a good excuse, is that any? Exactly. And New Year's, yeah, I'm 55. I played video games and watched youtube and went to bed <laughs> sounds lovely to me yeah no it's it's a, a pretty big event over here my wife's family are from northern ireland so that's why i'm now living in northern ireland and the sort of whole family sort of assembles over here every year so it's been a pretty full-on sort of 20 children in this house and still wow. a few kicking around at the moment so it's been a busy one wow well i appreciate you uh partitioning out a little bit of time for me well, it, it gets me off of childcare duties, Frank. <laughs> so, uh, I, I can't complain. Patrick is four months, and it means I'm not sort of feeding him. So it's it's pretty good for me. Oh, four months! I remember those. Four months is actually when they start getting fun. Yeah, smiling and and you know sort of interacting a bit, which is a nice a nice age to get to after the sort of hell of month one and the no sleep. Whereas now he sleeps sort of ten, eleven hours a night. So I can't complain. Oh, that is beautiful. Yeah, he, he takes off to me in that regard. Oh, right on. That's wonderful. <laughs> well, 10 years. How on earth did this all start? That is, yeah, 10 years. That's pretty crazy. It was Christmas Day 2012. I was sat at home thinking, I want to talk about Led Zeppelin on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> As one does, you know, pretty common thought. And I thought, no one I know cares. You know, I was... What was I 10 years ago? I was 18 years old, right? So my friends did not want to hear about, you know, Jimmy Page has given an interview to the BBC. <laughs> that, that was not <laughs> even remotely on the radar for them. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll Photoshop together a logo with some sort of bootleg Led Zeppelin font I'll find, which remains the logo to this day. Set up a Twitter account and then a Facebook page and just sort of tweeted stuff and shared stuff, you know, and that was at the time all I knew what to do i'd see something interesting and share it and then gradually i thought well i can dig into things a little bit deeper here and interview people and that's where the website started an email from that and i did that for long enough and thought i think i could do this professionally for a living and that sort of led to me becoming a, a journalist full-time for six years is, is led zeppelin taught me those skills so 10 years ago that's that's how things all started really Wow, that's that's crazy. So the Led Zeppelin is what got you into the Business Insider. 
Yeah, so Business Insider, I set up their tech coverage in in Europe um, a good number of years ago. I ran that team for a few years, and I went to the, the Telegraph newspaper in London. I was a special correspondent there and broke news and front page stories and, you know, interviewed billionaires and all these things. And that's all down to Led Zeppelin News, you know, teaching me how to find stuff on the internet and write about it, basically, is is exactly the same skill set. So the things that I was taught by newspapers, I took back to Led Zeppelin News, you know, digging through trademarks, company filings, documents, things like that, developing sources. That's sort of what I use to to break news. So it's been a sort of fun, full circle kind of thing. That's brilliant, because I, I, I heard um, to to warm up for this. I uh, listened again to your interview with the Zep fan podcast, and I mm-hmm. love how you did the like the deep diving into the back end of Amazon to find out those releases <laughs> and things. That's brilliant. That to me is is I think that's what Led Zeppelin could do better is engaging with, you know, sort of citizen journalists or, or fans, you know, whether it's, you know, your podcast and you, Mark, or or whatever, and, and and just sort of saying, look, there's a pretty broad range of people talking and thinking about Led Zeppelin. We should do something with them. And if they'd said to me, Hey, look, we're doing remastered albums. If you agree to it under embargo, we'll give you all the details and you can put a post up on it great, I would play ball. But they never responded to my outreach to them. So I was never under embargo. So for me, I would break the news early, you know, a week early sometimes for all those remastered albums by finding it out. And then every other professional journalist would get annoyed. They're saying, well, look, this stuff's out there already. Someone's reported it. Because they never really engaged with <laughs> fans in the right way. That is, I mean, it's both good news because that gives you the leg up, but it's also kind of infuriating for we fans with just this kind of urge to shake them and say, please engage, please, please do something other than, you know, uh, uh, skateboards or snowboards and hats. And Oh yeah. The 50th anniversary. Like I, I was excited, you know, because I, because I've only been doing this for 10 years. There are people who have been, you know, writing on the internet about Led Zeppelin or, or even just writing in general, you know, for 30, 40 years. So when they see, you know, Jimmy Page, so I want to be seen to be playing live or we're going to release live material for the 50th anniversary, everyone else is sort of quite jaded and they go, oh, no, it's never going to happen. <laughs> or it's quite naive. And I think, oh, brilliant. Here we go. And then, of course, it never happens. Yeah, it gets it's it's kind of um, I don't know if you're familiar with Charlie Brown and those guys. Uh-huh. There's there's a uh, I guess it's a trope of uh, Charlie Brown and the football where yes. Lucy, Lucy holds the football. And that's always how I feel when Jimmy's like, oh, just you wait any day now. Coming right down the pipe is is Led Zeppelin uh, Shangri-La. Just wait. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, this stuff exists. You know, yes! there are that are could be released. You know, they could have released, for example, How the West Was Won. They could have added tracks to that. They have all those recordings. And I love that someone asked Jimmy Page, why didn't you add more to How the West Was Won? He just said, oh, didn't really want to you know <laughs> this stuff sits in bolts places there's the japan 1971 tapes i think ross halfin who is a very close friend of jimmy page the, the photographer ross halfin yes. says i know where those tapes are now why would he know unless they were dug out perhaps with a view to potentially releasing them and then that conversation never continued so stuff exists but it's not coming through and coming out in perhaps the way that jimmy page would like it to be I just and I, w- I was thinking about like other bands of that era are just cranking out content. And I know that there's uh, a motivation uh, to preserve the copyright with some of the older stuff. Yes, that's why there's so many Pink Floyd live albums now. 
Yes. And I see like Pink Floyd and the Who and the Beach Boys and the Beatles are all, you know, redoing, remixing, releasing, putting out all this legacy stuff. Neil Young is a, another one. And I just, I wonder what it is about Zeppelin that keeps things from manifesting. And maybe I, I know that they, I believe they have, um, each member has equal, it has to be a unanimous vote for things to be released. Yeah, it's it's the same as um, the Sex Pistols are a really good example of this because it's I think it's there's there's four members right and mm-hmm. and the lead singer disagrees with all of the other ones. So when there was that TV show recently, they outvoted him and made the TV show, and he's he's come out publicly and explained why they're doing this and how this all works. And Led Zeppelin is the same situation in that if there isn't a majority vote to do things, then stuff doesn't get done. And the finger of blame. There's two sort of scenarios for this. One is it's Robert Plant, you know, and he has a solo career and he doesn't want Led Zeppelin stuff to happen. That is one theory that has been put out there in the wild. The other is Jimmy Page is a perfectionist. And if something isn't absolutely perfect, he doesn't want to release it. And it's not entirely clear what's happening. I think one thing I saw, I think last year actually, was John Paul Jones resigned from Super Hype Tapes, which is the company that has existed since I think 1968 to manage Led Zeppelin's business affairs. Is that John Paul Jones basically saying, I'm done in these meetings, I'm not going to have a voice anymore? I'm not sure, but it's perhaps a sign that he's stepping back. So maybe it is Jimmy Page or Robert Plant between them having this debate. I can imagine after decades and decades of quarterly meetings with those guys, I imagine it would just be a matter of throwing his hands up. Uh, it's the only insight we've ever had into one of those meetings was Peter Mensch, who used to manage Jimmy Page until they sort of fired each other. Um, Peter Mensch talked about how the 2007 reunion came about, and it was agenda item, I think, three or four in one of these quarterly Led Zeppelin meetings was, shall we reform the band for a one-off show to honour Armit Ertigan? And I love that it wasn't top of the agenda, you know, <laughs> T-shirt designs or action figures was one and two. And it's like, oh, okay, now we reform. Let's have a vote was something. And apparently like within, by the end of the meeting, they decided and had to done the vote on that, which is insane <sighs> that that's how this stuff comes about. That is crazy. It's just, it's almost comedic. <laughs> it, it is quite funny. And I think that's what I find funny about um, the film Becoming Led Zeppelin, the documentary as well. Like that premiered in 2021. We are now talking in 2023 and this film isn't out yet and there's no sign of it coming out. Like it, it is quite funny. It's just, it's only us and we're all used to it. The, the Led Zeppelin fans and I'm becoming Led Zeppelin specifically. I'm really excited. And I, I I'm your words on uh, the other Mark's podcast gave me hope that it is a matter of them getting everything right and being as good as they can. And maybe, you know, uh, uh, you know, searching out one or two more little gems to throw in there and not just a matter of it just kind of petering out like everything else. I'm fairly certain this film will come out. And and the way it's been described to me is if you look at the filmmakers, um, the way they work is they they go deep on these things and they take a really long time. Like American Epic took a long time to come together and then and then the soundtrack album came out in the book as well so they seem to be doing the right thing they want to make a definitive film about the origins of led zeppelin it presumably it was on sale for a while it hasn't been picked up seems to be a suggestion so they're doing the right thing they're re-editing it they're improving it and then they'll go back out 
to the market. So it doesn't mean we're going to see it in the next month, but hopefully it comes back and it emerges an exciting project to everyone to see. Oh, I cannot wait. That was the most exciting thing I'd seen in a while. Yeah, and, and you know, lengthy interviews with Robert Plant, Jimmy Page, John Paul Jones about the origins of the band. Like, that's going to be super exciting to read. Like, for me, when the Led Zeppelin by Led Zeppelin book came out, that 50th anniversary sort of coffee table book. Yeah. The most exciting part of that was the very end was, was sort of almost just notes, like mini autobiographies by the surviving band members. And I thought, well, that's really exciting that they've spoken at length about Led Zeppelin in the book and becoming Led Zeppelin will have their own voices throughout it, telling their own stories. That's so exciting. I cannot wait for that. Having um, grown up in the eighties during the uh, cold war (laughs) between Jimmy and Robert, (laughs) it's so nice to see everything kind of uh, come together in very slow motion, kind of geological time, but it's still you know, we had the reunion, we had the, gosh, how many years now? 20 years this year, the DVD release, Mm. and it has happened. And speaking of, yeah, there are the multi-tracks of all those shows that could come out, Earl's Court, Nebworth, Royal Albert Hall. You know, there's there's just... There's there's been no Blu-ray. We've had Led Zeppelin DVD, but there's been nothing in, in HD for that. You know, that is long overdue and presumably exists somewhere, but has not been released. Oh my gosh, you're right. I hadn't even considered that. Yeah. Many many years ago, I, I I met or sort of talked over the internet to Andy Airfix, the designer who has since died. And he did the cover art for the Led Zeppelin DVD. And a story that he told me or wrote to me anyway, was that he basically said no to payment for the DVD. So he was sent a, a signed box set by Jimmy Page and Robert Plant for that, which I then brought from him. And he sent me this lovely letter sort of telling the story of how he got this box set as payment for Led Zeppelin DVD. So that now sits very proudly in, in my office on the shelf, that box set. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, it was it was really interesting story that he told and sort of wrote this letter. And he's since passed a few years ago, but um, he says he, he turned down payment to it. And he's, you know, this really interesting designer who did... Um, that classic Def Leppard album, he he did the art for that and he did Led Zeppelin DVD as well and sort of sold some of his old bits and pieces and the box set was part of it. That's super cool. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations like, like on that. Led Zeppelin Museum, it is nothing on Brian Knapp, who if you ever see part of his collection, it is insane. Uh, but I'll leave it to Brian to talk about. My own is tiny, sits on a few shelves, but I'm very <laughs> pleased with it. It's a few signed things. It's a chunk of Jimmy Page's old house, Loch Ness. That's oh, about... nice. Yeah, yeah. It's it's They sold it off because it sort of burned down a, a couple of times in the yes. sort of last 10 years. And to, re- and to fund the restoration work, they sold off chunks of this Boleskine or Bolskine, however you want to pronounce it. They sold off chunks of it. So I I have a chunk and, and hopefully it isn't haunted. It's never brought me any bad luck anyway. <laughs> no, that's really cool. I did see how they were doing that uh, for the Boleskine or Bol- Bolskine um, trust to mm-hmm. rebuild it again. <laughs> that's yes. super cool. Yeah. They've had a few issues. So um, yeah, it's it's been interesting. And, and that's been a really nice thing for the last 10 years, sort of following this Led Zeppelin journey and controversies and you know all these interesting dramas that go on and that's been a real pleasure to to chart that and try and document that publicly nice oh I have my little notes here and I want to before I forget Coverdale page deluxe edition Mm. that is exciting do you have any insight as to what might be deluxe about it 
oh do i have insight i always have insight for you mark um (laughs) if if you look at when that was released because it's the 30th anniversary is is what david coverdale has been saying this album's going to come out to honor that i think it was march right and we're in january and there's been no word of its release which to me is starts to be a little bit suspicious you know david coverdale has talked oh we're doing this we're doing this we're doing this that's it there's been no record label announcement has been no mention by jimmy page of this box set so it's getting into the territory now of is this actually happening and if we don't see an announcement in the next month i'm starting to get a bit suspicious if I had to guess at its contents, there's a few extra tracks that have surfaced over the years. There's a lot of video content as well of the making of the album. Yeah. It feels to me like what that box set could look like. But the silence by Jimmy Page about it, to me, starts to say that maybe this isn't as imminent as we would like. Oh, and we can't blame this on Robert, can we? No, sadly not. <laughs> I mean, the good thing is, it seems that the tapes weren't destroyed in that big warehouse fire, or a lot of master tapes for albums went up in flames. I mean, a lot of musical history was lost. And there was right. a document that um, I think a major newspaper reported, and this document listed the master tapes for Coverdale Page as having been destroyed. I am assuming, because David Coverdale has talked about working on it, that they were not destroyed, but we don't know for sure on that. Oh, interesting. Yes, the Universal Fire. Yes, exactly. And, and the, the list of albums destroyed that I think an insurance company or something drew up listed that album as having gone up in flames, which, you know, I saw that like, oh my gosh, you know, it's it's a real high point of Jimmy Page's post-Led Zeppelin career. I'm hoping that wasn't the case, but we, we don't really know what, what the answer is there. Yeah, the playing on that was stupendous. Yeah, and, and the, the very limited, you know, they, they toured Japan, did a few dates, and, and that was it. You know, they never really did, well, they never toured outside of Japan, um, Jimmy Page and David Coverdale, which to me is is a missed opportunity because you, you see those live tapes and you think that could have been a real vehicle for Jimmy Page. It really could have. I think, I think that was December of 93, mm-hmm. the J- Japanese tour. And I believe in November of 93, Jimmy had met with Robert in Boston at one of Robert's uh, Fate of Nations tours. Mm. And I guess that's when they had made the uh, you know, rapprochement to uh, bring about the unleaded thing. Yeah. So yeah. maybe he had that in his pocket already. And I don't know. I mean, I, if, if there was any kind of, uh, you know, I'm dating David Coverdale to make Robert jealous kind of thing, but there, there, you know, I know, uh, what is it? Uh, oh, crap. Causation. Correlation is not causation or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. But it just seems the timing seemed to be pretty considering. It's, it's very close. And I know a similar thing happened at the 2007-02 show. And I, I think the story was that Robert Plant came and he was very excited about his album with Alison Krauss. And I think the story that was circulated was that sort of rubbed everyone else up the wrong way and that his focus was elsewhere or maybe just someone else didn't pay attention to it. But there was a definite sort of clash between one project and another and as the noses were put out of joint that perhaps attention was in the wrong place there. I love that sort of period of, of Led Zeppelin around 2007 and then auditioning Steven Tyler and, and the Alter Bridge um, guy as well and, and trying to find a replacement for Robert Plant. That to me is absolutely fascinating that that even happened and they were considering going ahead there. That That is really interesting. And I can only surmise that it's because the rest of the guys were having so much fun and it was so 
good and productive and, you know, the juices were flowing that they just, I don't think they were just looking at dollar signs and, and exposure. I think there must have been some, uh, you know, payback for that effort that they wanted to keep going. And I understand Robert, you know, being Robert, I, I've made peace with that over the decades yeah. that Led Zeppelin is a part of his career instead of the most important thing that ever happened ever. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's healthy. I, I kind of like, I mean, certainly from like a, a journalistic point of view, I like that Robert Plant sort of blows up his band every two or three years and just yes. does something completely different. Like that, that gives Led Zeppelin new stuff to write on. Like he was with sensational space shifters for years and years and then off they go. Never, presumably will never perform with them again. Is now doing Saving Grace, was back with Alison Krauss for a bit started a completely new band and has done a few low-scale tours and is preparing another album with a completely different band. It's like, okay, wow, you know, you're giving me something else to write about here. I appreciate that. <laughs> and I um I find it interesting that he copyrighted Saving Grace. Mm. He's never done that for a Robert Plant band or solo project before. He has never taken out a trademark for it. Not sensational, uh, I always get this wrong, sensational space shifters. He's never done that. Not with Band of Joy, not with, you know, Paddy Griffin, Alison Krauss, anything like that. Saving Grace, yes. And the way that it's been explained to me is he really likes this project. And I, I saw them in October, they, they played in Belfast the first night of their recent tour and, and they are a really special band like that it really works for robert plant that vehicle i've seen some of the footage like that that little uh after hours in the pub yeah. as, as well as something from that tour um it mm. might have actually been the belfast but yeah it, it there is something special about it it's very it's moving <laughs> to hear it it's it, just... it is moving and you can what's really exciting is you can see robert plant having fun and I've seen him, you know, a good few times over the last 10 years and, you know, playing big, big venues, you know, the O2 in London or Royal Albert Hall. And he doesn't always have that sense of fun and humor and improvisation to it. With Saving Grace, he makes jokes He because it's smaller venues, smaller audiences. It's basically all covers the sets. So it's really interesting seeing him just having fun, chucking in lines of different songs. There's a little nod to Led Zeppelin in places he mentions, oh, we've come from the land of the ice and snow, you know, which is kind of fun. <laughs> he does these things. So he played at the Ulster Hall in Belfast, where Led Zeppelin played Stairway to Heaven live for the very first time. Yes. You know, he mentioned, oh, I, I remember coming here before when we played some very long songs, sort of raises his eyebrows and sort of puts his <laughs> leg out to the audience. He's having fun with that band, which is really nice to see. That is nice to see. I hope they tour over here this year. I believe they're going to, because I would, I would love to see that. Right. So, yeah, so Robert Plant's mailing list mentioned he's performing in the US in spring and summer. And I, I took that as saving grace rather than back again with Alison Krauss as a, like a third leg of a tour. So I'm assuming that this is that saving grace US tour that was due to be 2020, but ended up being cancelled because of the pandemic. Oh, man, that would be so great. Yay, because Jeff, that footage really, I haven't been a tremendous uh, follower of Robert's solo career, say, after 2000. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, that was just, that's, I could just feel it through the screen that there was just yeah. something magic. And yeah, he's and having have an fun. Album sort of on the way. So a US tour would make sense to promote that album. Nice. Yay. Now, if only Jimmy could be seen to be playing live. Well, I mean, he's busy. He's doing things. He you know, sure it, is. <laughs> it, it's not playing live, but um, he is busy. I can tell you that much. That's good. 
<laughs> I have to be very careful with the things I say. Like people pass on stuff to me, and, and I have to sort of respect that. But um, look, no, Jim I am busy and, and has been busy for a while. You know, he's he's sort of settled his feud with his neighbor, which was taking up a lot of his time. <laughs> genuinely, right. uh, so, so there's always stuff going on in Led Zeppelin land. Like that's the sort of running joke with my friends is Led Zepp news. Well, there isn't any, and I always say, well, look, you know, stuff does kind of go on here. That's funny. Yeah, I could tell. I'm not gonna, not gonna pry. Would he says, following up by prying, <laughs> uh, are the things that he is busy with something that might make someone like myself smile? Oh, okay. Um, um, one thing to point to, which I think is interesting, is he has said he will write an autobiography. You know, and he was very definitive in saying that, which I think is interesting. Um, I, I don't know, to be clear, I don't know that that has happened, but that seems to be a project which perhaps is is front of mind there, which is quite exciting. Um, what else can we look at? I mean, look, the most recent thing that could still spring back to life is the Led Zeppelin experience, this sort of touring yeah. exhibition and hologram. Led Zeppelin still owns the trademarks to that. They have a business in the UK set up specifically to manage that project. None of that has been shut down or given up. So that could spring back to life. Oh, that would be really interesting. I would love to see something like that. I would love that. Like I saw when the Rolling Stones did Exhibitionism, which was a basically a touring exhibition talking through the history of the band with, you know, rare memorabilia and outfits and, and all these amazing things. And then what I really like, there's a great gift shop afterwards that's all Rolling Stones <laughs> things. You know, it's the kind of thing you like. And as part of that, they did an immersive thing where you stand in a room with sort of projection mapping and it's like being on stage with the band. Oh, cool. Very cool. That's the kind of thing that Led Zeppelin wanted to do and have laid all the groundwork to do that around the world. They've got trademarks for the name. They forced Jason Bonham to change his band name. Right. Trademarks for memorabilia, T-shirts, hats. There was going to be a Led Zeppelin hologram there as well. It sounded really, really cool. And then it has completely come to a standstill. Jimmy Page has said very diplomatically that the other band members didn't agree on it, which is a very diplomatic phrasing. That's where we are on it. It has had pause hit on it. It's not a stop. Nothing has been dismantled legally, but it doesn't seem like it's going ahead there. Well, at least there's that glimmer of hope in that it still exists as a on the books. Yeah, which 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 I like. They tried to hide it as they do. They set up this company called Company 2018 in the UK, <laughs> which is so amazingly vaguely named. But of course, I, I still find it. And you can see that the royalties are split four ways between the surviving members and, and John Bonham's sort of estate and family there. So they've got the right mechanisms in place for it. It, it just doesn't seem to be moving ahead at the moment. Interesting. Do you know who has the proxy vote for John Bonham? Is it... It, it, to my knowledge, legally, it, it is his wife still rather than his his children. Oh, that makes sense. It's it's Pat Bonham, um, and then Jason is sort of connected to the band, is in touch with them. So he it it's not him making the decisions, but he is part of that family. So he, he talked about, for example, having seen becoming Led Zeppelin. It was screened for him and his mother. So he is part of the sort of in the loop Led Zeppelin crowd, but I'm not sure he specifically is calling the shots. Interesting. I know he got in a little bit of trouble when he was on Howard Stern telling tales out of school. 
Ah, uh, yes, yes. There was a, a very sort of legally drafted statement on, <laughs> on a website that was up for a specified amount of time um, and then was was removed. And it, it's awkward, things like that. There are lawyers involved. It was the same thing with Jimmy Page's feud with his neighbour, Robbie Williams. Right. Um, Robbie Williams thought he was not on air on an Italian radio station. He thought he was on a commercial break, except it was being broadcast live on, on Facebook still. And Robbie Williams basically threw around some untrue accusations about Jimmy Page. Those were then reported. And Robbie Williams had to then settle and, and agree with Jimmy Page and put out a statement written by lawyers. So that's when Led Zeppelin News, I have to take legal advice to make sure it's all kosher and do all of that, which is uh, a fun thing to do. But there you go. That's the life of, of Led Zeppelin journalism now. I, well, I'm glad you do that and do your due diligence because, yeah, I would not want to. I would imagine that would be a very frosty communication coming across. Yeah, I, I've, I've never, I've never gone wrong yet. I mean, who knows? I could, I could do something wrong in the future, but at least for now, we've been good. You know, I try and be very careful about reporting on bootlegs. You know, I, and I try not to promote bootlegs or sort of link to where they can be purchased. I try and stay on the right line of that. I think there is newsworthiness there. You know, when a, a new unheard recording emerges. I think that's newsworthy and, and warrants reporting on it. What I wouldn't do is say, here's how you can go and buy that. Because I think that would then cross a line. Right. That's wise. I, I do the same thing with the podcast in as much as um, I stick to the live material. I don't dive into the outtakes or the studio rehearsals because that seems to me to be a touch more of a somebody stole that from them instead of somebody snuck in a recorder. Yeah. Yeah, which is exciting. And I think when I first sort of got into the sort of live music taping world and discovered bootlegs, you know, because I was a journalist, I had a really good audio recorder, you know, so I sneaked that into gigs and sort of figured out what is it like to covertly tape a gig? The thrill of, you know, getting it past security and hitting record and having your recording is, that's really exciting. So I, I did that with... um when Robert Plant played with Nigel Kennedy at the Royal Albert Hall and, and played Kashmir, you know, I, I was recording a, a bootleg of that show. So that was a really fun sort of experience to go through that. Oh, that's interesting. That must be fun. It is fun. I've never released any of my tapes because, to be quite honest, they're rubbish uh, because I am not some <laughs> sort of highly skilled bootlegger. But I thought, you know, there's this thriving community still of people who tape gigs and release it. I wanted to sort of delve into that and figure out what is it like to go ahead and try and be someone documenting shows. So that's been quite fun to do that over the years. That is nice. And I love the whole taper community and that they're still going on and, you know, the whole new generation coming in and bringing the genius and, and innate familiarity with social media, like dogs of doom and, and being able to scare up so many oh my releases. Gosh. It that to me is is the most exciting story related to Led Zeppelin of the past ten years. Is yes, this movement of of tapes that have come out and video footage and photos and the people who have spurred on that change, as you say, specifically the the Dogs of Doom group, and and which then sort of leads on to well, is this the death of the traditional Japanese headquartered bootleg industry? There was one that came out very recently, I think, a nineteen seventy one tape. And I think it's called, you know, the Dogs of Doom or Howl and Moan or something. And almost the entire back of this CD is basically just a broadside against the Dogs of Doom group, accusing them of, you know, 
stealing material and releasing it. And you can see the bootleg industry is threatened by this because they no longer have a monopoly on these live releases. It used to be 90% of these things that emerge were professional bootlegging groups. 10% would be someone on the internet saying, oh, look, I found a tape in my attic. It's kind of flipped around now. And that's really exciting to see. And you're starting to see these labels that have had a monopoly for 20, 30 years. They are under threat now. It is very interesting to see that dynamic change. And I mean, I'm sure there'll always be a market for the really, really expensive kind of bespoke releases that are just, you know, artistic, but it's really nice to have those things come out and be just distributed and Mm -hmm. thousands of people have them within hours. And yeah. And and there's been a real flood, you know, there was a time with dogs of doom group where it would be video footage here and then a tape here. And, and, you know, Mark McFall has been, hoping to release things as well. And it really feels like there's a lot of people dragging this stuff out into the sunlight. And, you know, you didn't see Led Zeppelin do that with the 50th anniversary. There was no live material released. So fans have kind of stepped up there, taken it upon themselves to do it. And I think that's a really special phenomenon. I do too. I think it's a great time to be a Zepp fan. And I yes. hope I hope the, the, the Zeppelin camp are paying attention or have the ability to pay attention since they're all, you know, older (laughs) men. I know Jimmy's not an internet person, but if they could just know (laughs) that we're out here and that there are, there's a whole generation of kids who are just doing wonders for this community. Yeah. I, I, I don't think there is that recognition currently. You know, I've certainly tried to talk to people about this and have had limited success with these conversations you know i would if i spot you know an issue with a release or something i think it was um how the west was one or something there were issues or errors in the track listing when it was you know about to be released so i reached out to led zeppelin's record label and an absolute radio silence back every single time it's like oh we are not engaging with you I was, I was sort of trying to explain like, like i'm trying to do you a favor here like i've spotted errors that you have put out and they'll quietly correct them and just never even bother to respond. It's okay. Well, uh, that's up to you. You do your thing. I'll do my thing on Led Zeppelin News and we'll sort of muddle along together. Right. <laughs> this is a little bit of a left turn, but I have six minutes left on my Zoom. So, Go ahead. Ghost Sonata. Does that exist in anything other than sheet music? It does. It does exist. You can, if you so wish, you can go and rent, I think, the sheet music and and read the soundtrack to John Paul Jones' opera that he has composed. There was a sort of five or six minute video with what I assume is the soundtrack to it as the audio in the background, which which I, of course, pointed everyone to and said, hey, look at this. And then they deleted it. Um, So as far (laughs) as I'm aware, this soundtrack does exist. There must be some sort of recording somewhere of it. I'm not aware of any current plans to release it. I drunkenly asked John Paul Jones' wife about this in a basement under London a few years ago, and I can't remember what she said, but I'm not aware <laughs> of the stage this opera. <laughs> That's hilarious. What brought that about? That's a very good question. That's when John Paul Jones, he did this sort of charity improvisational gig at the, I want to say the, the a club under London. And I went there with a friend and it was like, 
an hour and a half of just John Paul Jones playing improvisational music with no lyrics. And I had a few drinks and I spotted his his wife there and went up and had a chat to her. Um, and that was how that conversation came about. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I would love, oh, I would love to meet one of them or even one of yeah. their spouses. Yeah, that, that would be good fun. Um, I, I have not made that happen yet, sadly. Soon, though. Yeah, I've got to be careful what I say, but potentially soon. Nice. Well, I am running out of time on the ticker. Is there anything you wanted to get out before we wrap up? Yeah, I mean, like for me, we're speaking on, you know, day one of 2023. I think it's going to be a really interesting year for Led Zeppelin, you know, with hopefully more live material emerging. Who knows? Hopefully a film coming out. I mean, if you're someone who enjoys learning or reading about Led Zeppelin, continue to do so. Listen to Hard of Markness podcast, read Led Zeppelin news, and then let's keep charting this interesting stuff together. I think that's the best way that we can do this, really. Brilliant. James, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. I was actually quite nervous. <laughs> there, there is no need. There is no need. It's a very mellow day. It's 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 after New Year's Eve, so it's that's not true. a proper conversation. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you very much, sir. I will ping you when I get this uh, posted. It should probably. Yeah. I, I think I'll do it tomorrow. But um, yeah, let me know, and obviously I'll, I'll share that, and and let me know anything else that sort of comes out that's, that that you want me to share and things like that, and and you know, always good to promote this stuff um yeah I, I, are we off the record or are we still recording uh we are still recording but i can we're all we're all. it was at that point that the secrets came out because what i said after that sloppy edit that makes it sound like i'm going bleh, 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 what actually is i'm saying actually we're off the record well we're not i mean i'm still recording but anything you say after this point i will delete which is what i've done and then it was immediately followed by a beautiful file transfer session where he shared with me the mixed multi-track bath, full stereo. Actually, it was a 5.1 um, high-def file of the Bath Blues Festival 1970, um, along with the uh, Fairport Convention Jam, also from 1970. Different continent, different month, but uh, that was also a full multi-track mix down, as well as, of course, everything that we that was already multi-tracked and mixed down with how the East was won, um, geez Louise, the uh, Pontiac 77 video, the full Blueberry Hill multicam video, uh, the IMAX Royal Albert Hall upscale. I mean, it, it was just, I don't know, I don't know, it's just so much. I, can't, I haven't even gone through it all. Basically, uh, just an entire terabyte of... Um, Basically what Jimmy has prepared to release, but that still needs the approval of the rest of the band. Um, I have it all. James has it all. Shared it with me. It's beautiful. I can't share it with you, alas, because, you know, we don't share it with the common. But no, I'm just kidding. I'm I'm just kidding. James was very good. Uh, we did discuss a little bit of stuff off the record that's very, very cool. And that, uh, when it comes out, should be pretty exciting. And it's it's not just it's it's not holy grail stuff. It it is very very interesting and holy shit, but no, it's not. There's no dangling uh, holy grails that he made me aware of. My lips are sealed over some other things that I would love to tell you, but I can't. So there you go. And uh, yeah, because this is a bonus episode. Blah blah blah. Twitter 
Facebook, YouTube, that's where I am. Other podcasts, that's where I am. If you want to be a patron, go to patreon.com slash heartofmarkness.com or slash heartofmarkness or go to heartofmarkness.com to get all these, almost all these shows that I share with you. Okie dokie artichokey. I think that will do it. Thank you, James Cook, for being a wonderful human being, a wonderful guest, and uh, a pleasure to talk to. I wish him nothing but the best. He's really good for humanity. All right, guys. Adios. I am going to play video games for the rest of the day because I have to work tomorrow because it's Sunday. Not a wanna. And I got up early. It is now not even 1 o'clock. It's 12.42 p.m. All my things to do for the day are done. I have 10 hours just about before I go to bed. And I'm going to spend that time uselessly. Adios. Please be good to yourselves and each other. Follow James Led Zeppelin News on Twitter if you don't already. He's a great resource. And a lot of what gets matriculated through the Facebook groups and things, you know, has its genesis from James and his wonderful research skills. I'm so glad we have a professional like that in our pockets helping us out spreading the word. Because God knows the Led Zeppelin organization isn't doing shit. So bless your heart, James, and thank you. Be good to yourselves and each other. Bye-bye.